Welcome to Academic Advising for a Wise Education. This is the podcast that teaches things about higher education to help improve your learning and studying, make smarter choices of a major and coursework, understand how colleges and universities work, find internships and research assignments that complement your classroom learning, be financially sensible, become academically mature, prepare for graduate school, and plan for your future career. I'm Advisor Jay. Today's topic is making the most of school. It's easy to approach college and university with the idea that they are a continuation of prior schooling, but let's dispel that idea right now. A post-secondary education is not high school part two. In high school, some teenagers are used to just showing up or tagging along while adults make decisions for them. But the college or university experience is where you have to get used to being in the driver's seat of your education. Where you want to go with it is your decision. You have to follow the rules of the road, so to speak, in your schooling, but you possess lots of control over and responsibility for the outcome of the path you choose to take. College and university are not supposed to be about just showing up and doing what you're told. If you do that over the four years or so that it takes to earn an undergraduate degree, you will be shocked when your graduation nears and you suddenly realize how unprepared you are for the leap from being a student to working in industry or attending graduate school. Although it will sound as if I'm only talking to university students in this episode, most of the advice is applicable to people in community colleges, trade schools, liberal arts colleges, and other educational settings. My advice on this topic comes in three areas, academics, co-curricular activities, and personal growth. First is academics. The primary reason you are in school should be to learn as much as you can in the courses you take and demonstrate what you have learned in your homework, writing assignments, laboratory reports, projects, and tests. Never forget this. Make learning the primary goal of each school day. This is not simply about memorizing information. Your education should be alive, and you play a big role in making it so. If you view learning as a chore, it will feel that way, and you probably didn't grow up enjoying chores. If you find yourself drifting in your education, just floating along wherever the current takes you, you are not living up to your learning potential. Do you feel this way because your approach to schoolwork needs adjusting? Are you overwhelmed because your workload is too much to handle? Perhaps you should reflect on whether you are in the right major for you, which is something I can advise you on. Are you in a healthy environment? Do the relationships in your life add good things to it or leave you feeling drained of energy and depressed? What if the issue is certain subjects for which you have no interest? That is difficult, no doubt, but you need to do your best anyway. Treat every course you take as important, even if the subject is unappealing. In your future career, there will be things you have to learn and do that are not exciting. Everyone goes through this. Your learning needs to be an active process, not a spectator sport. Make learning an enriching process that heightens your awareness of the world, both past and present, helps you understand other people better, helps you understand yourself better, helps you advance your reasoning skill, makes you a better problem solver, and allows you to expand your ways of looking at situations and dilemmas. Punctuality is an important trait. Whenever possible, arrive to class early. If you are late, be as quiet as you can. 
Be in the habit of sitting in a classroom where distractions are minimal and ensure that you are not being a distraction to others. Personal electronic equipment should be put away before entering the classroom. Keep your attention on the person speaking. There's nothing wrong with taking breaks from your schoolwork and spending some time on unimportant things. But when multiple hours per day are devoted to entertainment, that's where you can grab time to devote to pre-class preparation. Not only will 20 minutes on pre-class preparation make your class time more productive because you'll better understand what your professor or teaching assistant is saying at the time, but it will also make homework much easier and allow your time on homework to be more productive. If possible, participate in class. Remember, you do not want to be a bystander in your learning. You should be the driver. Spend less time trying to memorize course material and more time toward understanding it. The greater your understanding of something and your frequent meaningful use of it, you should find it unnecessary to try to memorize it because its use will come naturally. Sure, sometimes you may need to memorize exact wording, such as for a definition, but too often students treat all their learning as exercises in memorization without comprehension. Make it your objective to gain deep understanding of how things work, why something is how it is or was, what influences behavior, how to express ideas in different forms, how to relate to different audiences, and so on. When working on assignments, never strive to satisfy the minimum requirements. Doing this only demonstrates that you can be counted on to do the minimum, and that is not an admirable trait. Would you hire someone with a reputation for doing the least? Imagine you go to Yelp or you call someone listed as a reference on a resume and you learn that the individual in question is reliable for doing as little as possible to get by. Is there anything you would hire such an individual to do? If you would expect quality, substantive work out of someone you hire, you should be exemplifying that in your own life, in your own work. In college and university, you should not need to be pushed to do better by faculty members because you should already be pushing yourself to accomplish your absolute best. This trait is part of what I call academic maturity. I recommend having the same positive attitude toward every professor and teaching assistant, regardless of whether that person's style is entirely to your liking. I know this can be tough to do. What you may not realize is that college and university faculty members and teaching assistants normally have not received professional training on how to educate others, and so it is possible that the person is doing the best job that she or he knows how to do. It is also likely that these individuals have never seen recordings of themselves in front of a class, and so they are completely unaware of things they could do to make their teaching more effective. There may be diplomatic and subtle ways to provide constructive feedback to a professor or TA. This is something that I could help you with in my virtual advising service, which I will talk about at the end of this episode. Be determined to learn from every professor and teaching assistant, even the ones you may not like at the outset. If nothing else, imagine yourself in that individual's position and think about how you would want to be treated by students. If a faculty member is strict, do not confuse this with mistreatment. This person has a duty to have an orderly classroom or other setting where everyone is able to learn fairly. Maybe that is not what you are used to. Maybe you are used to teachers who allowed students to do as they pleased, 
but ask yourself how effective that learning environment was. Earn the best possible grades you are honestly capable of. Always be able to truthfully say that you did your best on any assignment or test and throughout every course, even if you are not strong in the subject and or dislike it. If you are displeased with your performance in a course, talk to the professor and teaching assistant as soon as possible. Let them know that you want to do better. You can also talk to me for advice on how to improve. Regardless of the subject you are studying, I have a wealth of knowledge to share as part of my separate online advising service. What I know comes from my lengthy work in psychology with emphasis on learning and human memory. When planning your courses, do not just go for the easiest ones. Choose courses that you think will contribute to increasing your skills and knowledge in ways that will benefit you in future coursework and with whatever you intend to do after earning your undergraduate degree. Next of the three areas to make the most of while you are a student is co-curricular activities. A curriculum for a major is its set of course requirements. Co-curricular is something that complements the curriculum. It is a mistake to think that the only thing to do as a student is take lots of courses and earn excellent grades. While those are important, future potential employers are likely to ask you what you accomplished in school beyond coursework. Campuses normally have lots of registered student groups that meet minimum criteria in order to be recognized by the institution and receive funding. These groups may be related to the subject of an academic department, they may be of a pre-professional nature because their objective is to help members prepare for a postgraduate profession, or they may be in other categories. Don't just join a group or club. Do something meaningful in it. If you cannot be an officer, at least make a regular contribution of your time, energy, and thinking that you can later refer to as examples of where you gave and learned and that helped the organization grow and advance its mission. I'm not suggesting there is anything wrong with participating in some student organizations purely for fun. I just also want you to think ahead to what you will say during job interviews about what you gave to organizations that you were involved with during your school years. Being able to say you were a member of a club will not mean much to a hiring manager if all you did was attend meetings. When a student group receives funding from the campus administration, it may have to be open to students from all parts of campus. If so, this means that you can apply to join it regardless of your major. Use your involvement in student organizations to meet other students, learn how they got to where they are in life, learn conflict resolution skills, and increase your range of interests. If your campus has a student newspaper and there is a topic that you want to write about, Inquire about authoring an article for it as a guest columnist. If you enjoy it and do well at it, maybe you could become a regular columnist, if that would interest you. If you might want to apply for graduate study in the future, look for a professor on campus who you can help in some way that does not involve receipt of academic credit toward your degree. This could be a great co-curricular opportunity that strengthens your applications to graduate schools or impresses hiring managers when you apply to work in industry. Now, this doesn't mean there's anything wrong with working for a professor in some way that does involve receiving credit on your transcript. It's just that would not be a co-curricular activity. Because remember, co-curricular means in addition to the curriculum. There should be plenty of co-curricular activities on a campus. 
If none interest you, consider establishing a new student group. If it has a theme that would draw involvement from enough other students, make the right connections to get it started and apply for campus recognition and funding. In my time working at a university, I saw and helped two unrelated groups of students start organizations that ended up being quite successful. It impressed me how much almost every person involved in these efforts grew in their overall professionalism, including their capacity to handle challenges that arose. I made it clear to them that I would morally support them and advise them, but the organizations were theirs to operate. These truly were student groups, created by students, for students, and run by students. By the time you graduate, you will do well to have been involved in a meaningful sense in a few different co-curricular activities over periods of at least one academic year each. The third area I want you to make the most of while in school is personal growth. Long ago, psychologists used the term development in connection with life from childhood through young adulthood. But eventually it was realized that development actually occurs across the lifespan for every human. All of us are always changing, whether we consciously want to or not, and whether we realize it or not. However, while everyone is developing, each of us have seen people whose advancement is more striking than someone else of comparable age, education, and so on. A variety of reasons could explain the difference, but let's focus here on one. While some people drift in their development, others take an active role in it. That brings up this question. How can one grow as a person while in school in terms of character and an approach to life? It helps to have an open mind. If you confine yourself to your existing set of beliefs and are unwilling to entertain the possibility that there are other valid opinions and ways of looking at something that you actually might feel more closely aligned with, then you are conditioning your brain to stubbornly and arrogantly believe that you already know all that you need to in life. There are countless issues in life for which arguments can be made for and against it because there is no simple one right answer. There is respectability in being willing to hear from other people in addition to expressing your opinions, even if your viewpoint does not change, and yet sometimes it may change, and you will then wonder why you previously thought as you did. As with academics and co-curricular activities, meaningful personal growth is not a spectator activity. It requires effort. Take time every few months to do self-analysis. It may feel awkward, but try looking in the mirror and asking yourself, what traits and convictions am I proud of? Why do I feel proud of them? And what about myself do I want to improve? You can help yourself with inner growth by being around people who encourage you to grow. This is not about becoming a clone of any one of them, nor do they all have to agree on all issues. Here's an example of what I mean. If your friends are generally lazy, without ambition and personal pride, Ask yourself why you were drawn to them. Do they have positive impacts on you? Or is their low personal drive rubbing off on you? Do you feel motivated to do more in your life when you spend so much time with them? It has long been said that you can tell a lot about a person by the friends that person chooses. Sometimes the best way to advance in your life is by removing obstacles in the form of friends or even family members who bring you down or at least have a set of beliefs and practices that are contrary to what is healthy for you. Examine your daily routines in life. 
If you are in your late teenage years or are a young adult, you have already been forming what may become lifelong practices. List them on paper. Are they adding to your healthy development and positive personal growth? If not, change them. Try something new and regularly chart your progress. Take care of your mind and body. Set up reminders on paper or electronically so that whatever you want to change becomes part of your daily effort. As a concluding point, I want to acknowledge that even with the sincerest effort and hardest work, trouble of various kinds can arrive in our lives. Even people who you see as successful may very well have experienced their share of disappointments, excessive stress, health problems, family issues, troubled relationships, and injustices. Some people turn troubles like those into motivations to do their best to rise above them. I'm not suggesting that every problem has a simple solution or will have an outcome worthy of being in a Disney film, but I am encouraging you to not give up, to learn from your mistakes, to surround yourself with positive people, and to always grow in your learning. There is plenty more that I can say on this topic, and so I want to emphasize that the podcast is not the only way you can hear from me. For personalized advising via Zoom, Reach me at the contact information provided in the description for this podcast. In your message, be sure to mention your name so that I can respond to you as a person. Also, include a detailed description and explanation of your situation and clearly state what help you would like to receive from me. If there are questions based on today's topic that you want to ask me, state them. If it's help with another topic that you want, tell me what the topic is. Let me know your availability over the next week or two for a meeting via Zoom. For some situations, a person may need a one-time session to get questions answered and hear my advice. In other cases, you may want or need multiple sessions because the topic or issues may be too much to address in a single meeting. Or maybe you want to arrange advising from me on a regular basis, such as every few weeks, every month, whatever the case might be. I will reply to your message with my assessment of how much time it will take to help you and let you know my fee. My job is not just to dispense information, but to help you make decisions that are sensible, realistic, efficient, cost-saving, and with the best possible outcome as I see it. I don't just want you to be educated. I want you to be wise. That's all for this episode of the podcast. I look forward to sharing more information and advice with you in the future. You've been listening to Academic Advising for a Wise Education, a podcast by Advisor Jay. We hope the information and advice presented was enlightening. These episodes offer general advice. Your situation may call for additional action or an altogether different approach. For personalized guidance specific to you, Advisor J offers video advice via Zoom for a fee. Contact J at treasureoflife at outlook.com. That's treasureoflife at outlook.com. When emailing, please include your name, a detailed description of your situation, and clearly state what help you need. Advisor J is here to assist you, but ultimately your education is your responsibility, and so all decisions are your own to make. That email address can also be used to send Advisor J any comment about the podcast. Knowledge alone is rarely enough. In life, it pays to be wise.